something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know And life is worth living just because he lives. The king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding. And now his face I see. Oh, the King is coming, the King is coming, praise God, He's coming for me. Oh, the King, He's coming, the King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. The king is coming, the king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. Praise God, he's coming for me. Praise God, He's coming for me. <laughs> Good. Everybody talking on the right and on the left And they're holding out their promises while we all hold our breath And if I did not know better, I would be scared to death But God is on the throne Now I know that it all matters there's so much at stake And I know that we need wisdom For decisions we must make But I'm holding to the one Whose promise says that he won't break And he is on the throne He is faithful and true Everything he says he'll do 
But it's broken and in desperate need of help. But I'm praying to the one who has the power to make us well. And he is on the throne. You believe this evening that he is faithful and true. Everything he says he'll do. Everything that we go go with us. All the kingdoms of man are in the palm of his hand. So I will not fear, I'll say it loud and clear, so my own heart can hear it. God is on the throne. and love and I'm not worried because I know God is on the throne believe that this evening amen amen our God is on the throne this evening if you would I'd like for you to stand as we join together and we sing a great hymn of the church that was written by Martin Luther great hymn that says a mighty fortress is our God amen for our God is a refuge he's a strength a tested help in time of trouble a mighty fortress is our God of awkward never Through this world, and though this world 
through the rivers they will not sweep you over when you pass through the fire you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel amen there is power in his name this evening and he never lets us go he never lets us go and I'd like for us to sing this song it's kind of a throwback from the 90s but I thought it'd be really appropriate to be reminded this evening that no matter even though I walk through the valley of the fear your perfect love is casting out fear I can see the light that is coming. 
Yes, I can see the light that is coming for the heart that holds on. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you. Still I will praise you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Oh, yeah. Now I can see the light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you, still I will praise you. One more time, aren't you glad this evening? Whoa, 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 oh no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go in every high and every low. Oh no, you never let go. Oh, you never let go of me. God's people said, amen. Aren't you thankful for that truth this evening? Amen. You can be seated. Good evening. evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight. Uh, We just want to remind you that uh, Sunday is a big day. It's a baby day. It's going to be several babies coming down, getting recognized, and also we're going to be dedicating three babies on Sunday. Isn't that exciting? That kind of tells us we have life in the church, right? And they're being very biblical and producing. You know, very fruitful. So uh, we're thankful for those that can still do that. Uh, <laughs> right, Al? All right, all right. Hey, uh, I, I wanted to share something with you. Um, and I, I'm not going to try to put this family um, to embarrass them. But the last time you were here, we had a family come, and they were searching. And I remember they came every night. And, I, and they would say, well, we're just kind of looking around. We're just looking for a church. You know, that's what this is about, yeah. getting people to come yeah. to see what we have. Sure. Am I right? Yes. And uh, this week would be three years they've been attending our church. Mm-hmm. Shannon, Ethan, they both were here one night, and I saw both of them, and... and uh, uh, you know, it's been exciting what God is doing. But it means we, it's not the pastor doing it, it's you guys doing what God's called you to do, inviting, getting people to come and see what God's all about. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, God has some amazing things in store for this body. And we just have to be 
waiting in expectation, listening to what he has to say, and then move forward on it. Amen? Yes, sir. Uh, so baby day, Sunday. Also, I uh, want to remind you that uh, this does cost. If you have some extra change or $1,000 bills or whatever, and you want to put in the offering plate, please put it in there. It'll go for the revival services. It costs us roughly $5,500 to put something like this on. The children's area, have I told you what's been going on back there? You guys don't even know. They're averaging about 40 kids back there. Isn't that exciting? Nursery and, isn't that awesome? And they're having a great time, I know, because when we go back every night, the room is completely a mess. I'm talking there is popcorn all over the place or flour all over the place, and our janitors love it. Right, Monica? So, anyways, um, hasn't it been good to have Tab back with us? And Tab, you're always welcome. Every Sunday, every Sunday, you are welcome, all right? Because you're, you're close by. And Jeremiah, you're not welcome every Sunday, but <laughs> no, seriously, anytime you're this way, you're welcome. But uh, hasn't it been good to have Jeremiah here giving us the Word of God? And uh, uh, I don't know if you want to share a little bit, maybe the transition you've made with the city takers. No, go ahead. Why don't you just do it right now? Well, you need, we're, we're taping this, so this needs to. About three years ago, oh, there we are. About three years ago, um, you know, uh, I've heard pastors for years, honestly, if I just be honest. See, this is why I don't want to be on the record. I don't want to be on the record. But I've heard pastors for years say, yeah, the Lord just told us. They just came one day and told us to go to this church. And I'm like, yeah, sure he did. You know? <laughs> okay, probably shouldn't say it like that. But, you, you know, you always wonder because I've never had that. I've been in evangelism my whole life. And, you know, there's never been any, any, devi, uh, any deviation. But three years ago, um, I had that moment. I had that moment in my life. And the Lord told us very emphatically to start a training center. And it was so out of the, out of the box. It was so out of the norm. And it was to be a multi-denominational, we, we, described, we called it City Takers Training Center because we wanted it to be as militant as possible, you know, spiritually militant, like we're not playing around. And the idea was to go in and just embrace every aspect of our city in love, period, because we believe that transforms a city. And uh, three years later, it's grown. In fact, we're looking at a building down on the square and uh, there's just so much we could, I could tell you about. But one of the things we're doing is we have classes. We have students that come and attend all year. Um, and we, we've made those this last year available to people who can't make it to our school. So uh, Tim and I were looking at it before the service. And you can go to citytakerstrainingcenter.online is what it is. But if you go to .com, I think you can find it. Don't go to anything else. You'll find, yeah, you'll be in Arabia. But um, uh, you can go and check out our courses, and we've made them like next to nothing. Uh, it's $10 a month, and you can just, and you have, and at $10 a month, we add normally one to two courses, which is uh, 12 to 24 hours of teaching a month. And you not only get those, but you get everything we've ever taught. So there's hundreds of hours on there. And you can, you can watch it right from your phone, audio or video. And it's what we're talking about here, but in crazy more detail. 
And so um, if you want to learn more about us, again, go to citytakerstrainingcenter.com and check it out. And uh, who are some of the people that will be teaching? Because it's not just you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Corey not. Jones on it? Corey Jones teaches. How about Dan Bohai. Dan Bohai teaches. Know, I'm throwing those names out because those are a couple of people I'm really wanting to try to get here. Yes. For us. Uh, yeah. Corey Jones actually did his first youth revival for me at Wandering Wills Connection Retreat Center. Yeah. And that was when the Lord told me yes. down the road if that comes available. Yeah, I'm he's re- need your help. And yeah. I didn't know that until after we bought it. Yeah, Corey's a Nazarene pastor down in uh, uh, Arlington, uh, Texas. Big prayer. Yeah, phenomenal. Who's heard of Corey Jones by any chance? Raise your hand. Both of us. Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, who's, a, who's heard of Dan Bohai? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, then there's Rob McCorkle. There's myself. There's just Chad Seabright, Christy Austin. There's some interdenominational guys that come. Um, you know, uh, Stephanie Gretzinger. Anybody heard of Stephanie Gretzinger? She's part of the uh, one of the major uh, worship uh, individuals. She comes and teaches for a week. So um, it's growing. God's doing some neat things. And I do. I think you'll benefit. I think you'd benefit from it. And we'd love you to be a part. Give a couple talks. Uh, oh, you got to take my Greek class. I'm teaching a Greek class this spring and next, or this fall and next spring. And you'll just, you'll love it. You'll be going around just doing Greek all the time. So I teach classes on, on Greek. I teach a doctrinal holiness class. Um, I, teach a, um, I teach an eschatology class. I teach eight classes a year. And four of them I rotate, and then we have four core. I, I do all of our core curriculum classes, classes on identity, um, uh, ecclesia, or excuse me, ecclesia, which is the early church. Uh, it, it's the Greek word that we get the early church term from, ecclesia. And so these are these kinds of things. It's just, it's really what I'm, what I teach and preach when I'm on the road, but it's in crazy more detail. And detail is always good. So check it out. Check it out. Thanks, man. Yep. And uh, just check it out. And again, go to those websites that we said, don't go someplace. Actually, that's why I have them in my office. I said, I went to the website that said for the school and there was like nothing. And so God, make sure you go to those specific uh, and, and he, he's already called back to let them know we got to do something about this. So uh, hopefully that will take care of it. And, and he took my picture to put it as the person that caused the problem. So um, anyways, hey, uh, one other thing. When you leave, if you have children, will you make sure you tell Katrina back there how great of a job she's done this week? Because a lot of times those people that work back there aren't here and they don't get the encouragement and they need to hear it. All right. So I want to just uh, start out tonight with a word of prayer. And the uh, Bible says just to be still, know that he's God. And uh, I think that's, we do this every Sunday morning. We're just going to get quiet so he can start speaking to us. We've been through a lot of distractions today. Let's just kind of home in on him and see what he has to say to us. Father God, we are just crying out to you. We, we need more and more of you, but that means we have to empty self. 
we've got to see things through your eyes to to empty, Lord. Because it's not about our holiness, it's about your holiness living in and through us. I pray that, Lord, you give us the ears to hear your voice tonight. And as Jeremiah speaks and as Tab continues on and even Katrina in the back, will you just anoint them so that, Lord, we'll be able to hear exactly what we need as individuals. And then, Lord, not just to hear it, but to put it into practice. I think that's part of our problem today. We don't put things into practice because it takes work. Help us, Lord, to have the desire to want to be more and more and more like you. Where your spirit just comes in and overtakes us and puts a love within us that, Lord, it just kind of spills out. So, Lord, we are just calling on your name, asking you to bring your glory to us. We're coming near to you, Lord. Just come near to us. And may this night not just be another night, but may it be a night we can say we heard straight from you. And we're praying this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Jeremiah and I had been talking, and he was talking about one of the things that he's made clear at the church that they've started there in Lebanon is that when they come together to worship, it's not about them getting ministered to personally but how they can minister to the Lord and give to him and how they can bless his him and his holy name and that spoke to me so many times I do I come in and I want to be blessed but blessing comes when we bless him and we worship him Paul said in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 that therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies sacrifices unto him our whole body our mind, our soul everything Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship his holy name, the sun comes and It's time to sing your praise again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be sing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship.
place to be.
nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence. I've tasted and seen. Of loves, when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here tonight. Holy Spirit, you are well. It's been, it really has been good to be here 
And uh, I want you to open your Bibles up. We're going to look at three different, pa- uh, three different books tonight, but we're only going to look at one passage. But I want to illustrate out of, uh, out of uh, we're going to look at, in this order, Titus chapter 1, verse 1, kind of recap. Then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, so you can put a piece of paper in there. And then, uh, of course, we will go to, uh, um, for illustration, illustrative purposes, John chapter 5. And while you're getting all that straight, um, I love my mom's uh, story of redemption, of being saved. Um, grew up in the home. My dad's no longer living. He got saved before he died. I actually became a missionary in the Church of the Nazarene. Um, was uh, pastoring, uh, co-pastoring a church in Ridgeville, Indiana. If you know where Ridgeville is, yay! So, uh, phenomenal guy. Um, but grew up Mormon, and we were in a Mormon home, um, which is not Christian. You know, there's a lot of, um, I guess, similarities, but it's not. They don't come under the early church creeds, so on and so forth. And he was very abusive, and it was really, really rough growing up. My mom left him. Um, finally and uh just for the sake of us staying alive it was brutal and uh it was really hard on her she was raising three kids and uh i was a i was a handful and um we had a next door neighbor named fred and i mean this with all my heart we are supposed to be salt and light in our community and i do i I've said this to you before. I've I've said it for years and years and years. If you are 60 to 65 and older, (laughs) you are 60 or 65 and older, you are a godsend to any single mom you know. Seriously. Seriously. If you're a 60 or 65-year-old man, you're just a safe, you're a safe person. Um, and that, I just give you the story of, of Fred. People are, you know, people don't view church the way they did in the 70s and 80s, really. It's not, you know, I probably, if I were to be honest with you, most Nazarenes who go to church, they don't know what it means to be a Nazarene in terms of doctrine, in terms of teaching. It's really unfortunate because we really, what John Wesley taught and what we believe and, and the, through the Protestant Reformation and where we've come in terms of our understanding of being different people. I told you that this week. Our distinctive is not like, you know, we don't believe in this, we don't believe in that, we don't believe in this. I'm not interested in any of that. Our distinctive is you can become a new creation. Seriously, no matter what you've been through, you can be different. That's good news i don't have to be the way that i've been i don't have to live with the nightmares that's for sure dude that's that's what that our distinctive is and that's the heritage and i mean i encourage you especially if you don't know it's just for fun reading go do studies on uh go read about the church of the nazarene at the end of the 1800s into the 1900s how it started phineas brzee was a radical I mean, an absolute radical. Got rid of everything church. Started churches in storefront properties. He said, I don't want to see any dress clothes. 
<laughs> I was like, that dude's savage. People think I'm bad. I mean, he was just incredible. Just the answer for the culture. And, and what attracted us to that movement was doing life with people who actually loved you beyond the color of your skin, beyond your political party, just loved you. That's what people need. Seriously, my mom, I, I give this story, I've given it hundreds of times, but my mom, we grew up, she's single mom, three kids, and uh, our next door neighbor named Fred, uh, you remember Fred, you've heard this a hundred times, Tab has, we've done so many things over the years, but um, we're getting off the bus, I'm, I can't remember how old I was, but all three of us were on the bus, and so we're coming home, and uh, we're getting off the bus, and we're walking in. It's me and my two sisters, and uh, Kimberly was young. And uh, we, we walk down from the bus stop to our house, and our garage door's open. And our lawn is mowed, which never happened. We were like that neighbor in the neighborhood. And it was, you know, real tall, and, and, and there was a, I'll never forget it, it was a yellow Cub Cadet riding lawnmower in the driveway. And uh, there's an old, tiny, Fred was like five foot four, 145 pounds soaking wet. You know, he, you know, I, I don't know. I think he was in his early 70s when we first met him. And uh, he's in our garage, and he's over there tinkering. And we didn't, I didn't have no, any idea. We lived in a, a, a neighborhood, and, uh, and so I didn't have any idea who he was. And so we came in, and I said, hey. I was like, can I help you? And he's like, no. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what do you mean no? You're in my house, you know? And so we kind of creep in. And I, I recognize him. He lived around the corner down the street. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, what, are you, what are you doing in our, in our garage? And he, he goes, how long has this hot, hot water heater been leaking? And I was like, it's always done that. It's supposed to do that. And he goes, come here. And, and he, what he's done, he's replacing all of that. And uh, he's soldering, and he goes, come here, I'm going to teach you how to solder. And, and he was like, you know, he had dried it and shut off the water, and, and he would heat it up and put this stuff around it, and you'd, you'd touch the solder, and it'd go around, and he was doing everything. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. And he's like, you have any other leaks? And I was like, dude, our whole house is falling apart, man. We have leaks everywhere. And he literally came in and was replacing little faucet things and doing all this stuff, and he was there for about an hour, hour and a half. He mowed our lawn, what it was is, is um, I guess the story as it came out was he was leaving for work. He he was retired from General Motors and he uh, uh, or Chrysler, one of the two, and he was the maintenance man down at the Country Club, right down from our house. We lived right off of Country Club Road, and so uh, he was leaving, and our garage door had come down and it got stuck like halfway, and Mom didn't notice it, and so he pulled in and and went over and was fixing it, it was stuck, went in to fix that, and then saw the water, and then fixed that, saw our mower, because our, our lawnmower, you know, our lawn wasn't mowed, so it was broke, and so he brought over his track, he just did the day, he just did everything, and he's like, I fixed your lawnmower, I was like, you didn't have to do that, you know, and uh, so he ended up leaving, mom comes home and sees the lawn mowed, and she's like, way to go, I was like, I didn't do it, he goes, who did it, I was like, I was like, uh, Fred, she says, who's Fred? And I was like, he's that serial killer that was in our house when I got home after school. And so my mom was a typical, like, my mom is tough. And she was a typical, independent, single mom, I can do it, and march down to Fred, giving him money. And she would do that, and he would always put it back in the mailbox, always. And uh, 
Annie told me after he died that he just, they, they were going to move down south and he didn't because of my mom. And he fell in love with us. And he just became, my mom was abused by her dad and he had abused all the girls in the family. It was terrifying and, and it affected the relationship with her and my father and it was a bad deal and he was a safe place and he loved her and he became a dad to her. Um, when she found a lump in one of her breasts when, she was, when I was in high school, he was the first person she told. And uh, he led her to the Lord. He led her to the Lord when I was in high school. And uh, he, just, he just loved her. Winning, what I'm telling you, I'm telling you, winning your city is not hard. You just love people. Because love is not an emotion, it's a spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts. Because they're going to see in you the dad they should have had, the husband they should have, the wife they should have, the answer to the problems. And you make yourself available to come over at 10 o'clock at night when they're screaming and fighting and throwing pans. You come over and you sit and you love and you play referee and you walk them through. That's what you do. People want to come to a place where they're not a number where they actually, they're loved. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ is a safe place where you can come and live life. It's hard to make it out there. And no one has answers because Dr. Phil ain't cutting it. Seriously. And so, you know, you, you carry something. You, you, you carry the answer. And what I mean by carry is you, you literally are, and it's so difficult, to, it seems to convince people of this, but you literally carry the answer, the answer in your body. He is a person. And you just love people and you just, you just listen and you pray for people. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. I mean, it just is. And you begin to just lay claim. I mean, I've, I've put this into practice. We just, I just love people. I go to the same gas station, the same McDonald's. I go, when I go to Walmart, I go to the same teller. I look for the same people, you know? And I just love them. And I can pick up, I, I can pick up on it. I come in, I can tell when they're not having a good day. Hey, what's going on? And they do, they call me pastor. I'm not even a pastor. But I'm their pastor. And so, I want to I just, you understand, you, you, you do, you, you're the hope. And that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing in our city, each and every one of us. And I want to teach you a little bit about what you carry. First off, uh, I want you to uh, just give a real quick recap, because the pastoral epistles are, I would encourage you also, just, uh, one of the things I've done is uh, I, uh, I fast, I've, I've been fasting t- television now for about six to eight months I'll throw in a basketball game and you know I will watch TV with my kids and those kinds of things but um, you know I just don't turn the TV on you know I try to read I try to study um, you know I try to spend time with people that's a struggle for me because I don't like people <laughs> I mean I like you but uh, you know <laughs> no I like but I I, I just I, I drain real quickly and so I'm just trying to make people a priority you know and just you know get out just wasting time on a television is so not good anyway so i'd encourage you to read you know go through the pastoral epistles and read them and and um you know titus first second timothy and go through you know ephesians and 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 uh colossians are phenomenal letters they're phenomenal letters but anyway uh, when you get into the pastoral epistles you know 
they're so rich um, because it's intimate correspondence between Paul and his protégés. And, and there's a correlation between specifically the beginning of Titus and Ephesians because Paul gets really practical, but at the beginning, when he's talking about who we are, that's expounded in the first part of Ephesians. He mentions two things. Paul, and I already covered this, but for, for, for a refresher, when Paul is writing to Titus, he's reminding him of who he is. Remember, verse 4, he says, to my, my son in the faith. I mean, he's really intimate. And he reminds He's constantly reminding Titus and Timothy, for that matter, and probably all of his protégés, who he is at his core. He's a servant of God, and he's an apostle. Now, remember, a servant of God is not, that's not as cheap as we make it sound today. In the scriptures, there are no servants. There are only sons and daughters of Christ, period. We're all, there's neither, and this is beautiful when he says there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Your identity is not found in feminism. Your identity is not found in a woman. Your identity is found in that God is your father. That's, that's who your identity is. That's where you find your value. And this is crazy because, oh, I don't want to get distracted. I, I'm doing, I do, uh, I do marriage enrichment. I've been doing more of these on districts, actually. And uh, it's, it's, I didn't think I'd ever do stuff like this, but I do marriage enrichment weekends and, uh, or marriage retreats, whatever you want to call them, pastors and wives retreat. Uh, and I just did one in February for the uh, Joplin, Missouri district. And it's interesting from a scriptural perspective, your identity is never in being a woman or a man. Your identity is being a child of God. Because in, in a child of God, man and woman are equal. I mean, they're just equal. And again, Paul goes through that in this book, in, in Ephesians that we're studying, about submitting to one another, that we have this attitude of submission. Why? Because there's equality in that. The core of marriage is that my wife, biblically, I can prove to you that my wife is the head of our home. I am the head of my wife. That's the biblical mandate. She has the family unit. She keeps me from flying off and being out and never at home. She, in, she, she, she maintains the integrity of the home. And what do I, I'm the covering of my wife. I'm the arrow that's leading and she's the one that's keeping us going down there. That's who we are, all of that. But it's interesting when we're talking about who we are in our identity, my identity is not found in anybody but him. Okay, I'm a son of God. You may be a daughter of God or a son of God. If you're a Christian, you're one of the two. Which begs the question, why does Paul say, I'm a servant? And why is servant language used all over the New Testament? Because servant is the nature of God. It's just who he is. Jesus emptied himself of all but love and became an, a servant. In fact, how you identify a child of God is they're a servant. You want to see who's not a child of God at a church? See who's self-centered and selfish. Seriously, you know how many selfish things we hear from time to time? That's just not his, that's just not who you're called to be. So that's the first thing Paul says. Paul says, listen, this is what's so beautiful. You should have his nature, which means when you talk to your neighbor, it's, it's all about how can I help this person? Your heart should break for them. You're seeing them through his eyes. You're hearing 
We just, we operate in his nature. So that's what Paul writes in, in verse one. Paul says, I'm a servant of God. What's he saying? He says, listen, I'm one who lives with the very nature of my father who lives within me. I have his nature. That's what entire sanctification is. I live out of a different, I'm not, the old guy's dead. I live out of his nature. But then he also adds that, that I have, and I'm not going to go through the whole apostle thing, but I have an apostolic focus on my life. I'm filled with his nature, and I'm on the mission of the kingdom. That's what he says. But then he uses this really weird language, and Paul says, I come for the faith of God's elect, which is, remember, if you remember, it's the category language. Now, if you turn over to Ephesians, we find out what that category language is. The category is Jesus. Okay? God wants you to operate out of his nature. Where is that nature? In Jesus. God wants you to focus. He wants you to live with the focus of the kingdom, the mission of the kingdom. Why we're here is to make disciples of all nations. That's why we're here. We're not here just to, you know, I talked to one of my cousins, great guy, love him. And every time I talk to him, it's all about, man, the job. And I mean, that's got to be miserable. I just live with an entirely different ulterior motive. I just, I wonder what would happen if, if, you, if he could just go to his job as a mission field. That's really what it is. And just go and tell your boss one day, I'm here undercover. I'm a cell in your work. I come subversive to win everybody to Jesus. He'd be like, okay, get back to aisle five. <laughs> That's the idea. It's the mission of the kingdom, man. And so the category, the, this, this, this nature and the mission is in Christ. So, so the kingdom is, is really neat. And I love, that's why Ephesians has been so helpful. And he does this in, in Titus as well. But it's blatant here from verse 3 down through verse 14 that there's this category that God takes everything and he puts it in that category. Uh, everything is waiting for you in Christ. Everything. Now, I want to walk you through this just a little bit this evening. And again, we're going to look at John a little bit later on. But, uh, oh, I can turn this sideways. I want to begin and, uh, and reiterate a couple things that we talked about. We're looking at verse 3, and I'm going to go ahead and read that really quickly. Paul writes, praise be, and this is, um, this is the... Uh, NIV, and I think I'm moving over to the ESV. I just like it's, it's, it's just a better translation. But this is in the NIV for this evening. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Um, when we deal with this term blessing, which is what we're going to look at tonight in verse 3, blessing, blessing carries the idea of favor and stewardship throughout the New Testament. And it was a little shocking. I actually read this in a book. And the guy said, God loves everybody, but he doesn't favor everybody. And I was like, what? This guy's crazy. And then he spent the whole chapter going through and giving you all these examples in the New Testament where he just doesn't favor everybody. Blessing, he blesses. It's an act of favor. He's favoring. He's putting blessing on your life. And, and, and the favor is a distinctive. It's a category. God just doesn't bless everybody. He does not bless murderers. He doesn't bless liars. He just doesn't. 
He doesn't just, he doesn't favor everybody. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That whole, the whole Beatitudes thing. Blessed are the meek. If you're not meek, you're not blessing you. I was like, that's so interesting. I, I, I want to be blessed. And so it's, it's literally this idea, and by the way, when you get into the Matthew, uh, the idea of being poor in spirit, and that's a longer discussion, but like, you know, blessed are the, are the meek, you know, they inherit the earth kind of an idea. Well, why would they inherit it? Because they can be trusted with it. So the idea of blessing is that God blesses me, and he's able to entrust me with things because I'm a good steward of it. I'm, I'm a good steward of that. And I've, I've, I've just experienced this in my life in several different areas. Um, I believe he gives me greater influence because he can, he can trust me. Finances, relationship, relationships and people. I'm telling you, I've been to churches where I just go, you know, wow. God's probably going to have to clean house before you can grow. Why? Because this is not a healthy environment. Right? Yeah, this is not a healthy environment. People's like, well, people get all upset when, well, we've had this and this and this happen. Dude, it happened in the early church. Peter was, I mean, Paul was like, listen, this happens in your body, grab them, talk to them once, get somebody else. Talk to them again, bring this thing out in the open. If they don't listen, arm, leg, chuck into the street. Take grandma and send her flying. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Guess it doesn't have to be grandma. It could be grandpa. Okay? But it's this idea of, hey, you know, it, we, we protect this. We, we, we call it in our, in our group down there, we have a culture of honor. Uh, we do it in our home. Like, I don't allow any, we don't allow, we don't allow any lies. Lot, my wife calls them proclamation of lies in our family. You know, so we don't say you're stupid. Why? Because you're not stupid. That's not how Jesus sees you, you know. We don't, uh, we don't say like, shut up in our home. We say, so my kids are like, be quiet, harshly. <laughs> my wife, she's a brute, man. She's a brute. But she's a wonderful brute. She's awesome. But, you know, it's this, it's this kind of, we, I just want to be a good steward. I want to be a good steward of what God has given me. I think I'm going to be held accountable for that. So that's this idea of blessing, okay? That, that God wants you to be a good steward, uh, and, you know, it's, if you need an illustration on this, which we're not going to look at this evening, go back and look at the talents. Go back and look at the talents, man. If he can trust you with little, he can trust you with more. I mean, it's, just, it's a fundamental biblical principle, man. And in fact, and, and Tim and I, Tim can tell you, obviously, more than he's been around, you know, 25 years longer than I have. <laughs> You're so stupid. Um, but you know you go to pastors at, at, you know, with their churches that are growing and I always find it hysterical when you read their books because people will go and say Wait, why is your church growing and they're always like I don't know we just love Jesus <laughs> it's almost like that's the key that's the key man what if every single service all of us came in and we came to just tell him how much we love him and in the midst of that, when his presence falls, oh, that's the key. And we bring our neighbors in the midst of that. We bring our friends in the midst of that. That's, I think that's the key, man. Stewardship, we're good stewards. Every church that just explodes, God can trust them and he just sends them. He just sends them. 
I want to look with you tonight at just specifically verse 3, and uh, this is a little bit, it's, when I was studying this, and I was like, how much of this do I actually want to teach on? Because it's terms you may not be used to. Uh, probably some of you are, but if you're new to the church, you might not be used to this. This is one of those passage, passages that if you go to a commentary, you know what a commentary is probably, um, you have certain scholars in, in the faith, you have certain scholars that are in universities that are extraordinarily helpful uh, to you and I. Uh, they, they know Greek, they know Hebrew, they know Aramaic, they know, you know, the early church, the culture, they know all that stuff, of which you and I do not. In fact, when we want to learn about the culture of Ephesus, you know, thankfully, we don't have to go and read and research Josephus and Philo and all the ancient documents and look in the original language. We can just go to a commentator. And a commentator is a scholar who makes written or verbal comments that are recorded in a book in an organized manner. And so we call those commentaries or collection of comments. Isn't that neat? Bet you didn't see that one coming tonight. So you're like, wow, they have different commentaries. Uh, Ironside is one guy, by the way, who comments on Ephesians. He's pretty good. But all of them have their own theological kind of slant. And so I, I kind of I lean more, obviously, to a certain group um, that uh, talks about uh, new creation and holiness and Wesleyanism and those kinds of things. But if you go to these scholars, pretty much really any of them, specifically Protestants, they're going to tell you that verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1 is what we call a Trinitarian passage. You're like, everybody say it with me. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> You're going to go tomorrow and say, people are going, hey, what's going on? Oh, I got this morning and I studied a Trinitarian passage. And hope they don't ask questions. <laughs> That's what I always do. They're like, what does that mean? I, hold on, I ain't got time right now. You're like, what is a Trinitarian passage? We serve one God in three persons. We do not serve three gods. We serve one God in three persons, and those persons are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, if you want to read about specifically, and it's just my opinion, what I believe is one of the, the best Trinitarian passages in all of Scripture is, is Revelation chapters 4 and 5. I mean, you just have each member of the Trinity that is, is just really uniquely described. Um, but you also see it here, but you have to kind of dig into the language uh, in our passage. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are mentioned in these verses. For instance, he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father. It's the first member of our Trinity. Of our Lord. Oh, there's another one. Now you say, where's the Spirit? Who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every, and we translate it spiritual blessing, but that word spiritual is the Greek word pneumaticus, and it's the same word that Paul writes on in depth in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. And the pneumaticus, literally, it's the byproduct, it's the beneficiaries of the Spirit is what it is. In fact, in, those, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, when he says in your translation, it'll read, now concerning spiritual gifts, the word gifts is not there. It's now concerning spiritual, which is this word right here, 
Now concerning the mnemonicus, which is what is the product of the Holy Spirit. So a, a better way to translate this is not, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. It should read, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with all the Spirit's blessings in Christ. So we have the Father, and we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And all of them have a redemptive uh, have a redemptive role in your life. That's really broken down in Revelation 4 and 5. All of them have a redemptive role. And in fact, if, you were to go, if I just give you a synopsis of Revelation 4 and 5, it's also here, we'll see it this evening. But the Father is the overarching direction and the one who pronounces our redemption. The Father, according to Jesus and according to the scriptures over and over, he is the one who created sonship. In the beginning, God said, hey, I want kids. I want children. And I want them to look like my son. So the father is the one who created you and I and created sonship. So sonship was ordained and spoken forth into existence by the father. You say, what's the son? The son is the one who not only demonstrated it, but made it possible for you and I. He's the one that reconciled us. He's the one that makes it possible. We're seated in Christ. In fact, if you want to be a son, the only option you have is in Jesus. He is, he is the only way we have sonship. So the father is the one that says, I want sons. I want you to be a son and daughter. And Jesus says, I am the way that happens. Well, what's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the literal vibrant activity of the sonship lived out. In fact, what I wrote, I forgot to put in my context. This is going to be interesting. The Holy Spirit enables us to live as sons and daughters of God. Seriously, what you see in a child of God is the fruit of the Spirit. So the Father is one who declares for us to be sons and daughters of God. We're able to be sons and daughters of God in Christ. And then we live out sonship through the Holy Spirit. So it's Trinitarian. Seriously, it's Trinitarian. So God is one God. God says, I want to redeem mankind. And the Father says, I'm going to do this. The Son says, I'm going to do this. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to do this. And you find that all throughout the Scriptures. I want to go into that a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, in more in depth with you this evening. And in verse 3, you have three, this is so neat. Are you ready for this? You have three dative phrases you're like, what does that mean? I have no idea. No, actually I do, but it, I don't want to go into that. It's just part of their grammar. It's basically prepositional phrases. Do you know how fun prepositional phrases are? See, prepositional phrases give all kinds of wonderful additions. See, unlike math, math is so unnecessary. Right, Bruce? <laughs> See, prepositional phrases say, I'm going to go hang out in the pool beside the lawn chair next you know whatever go on and on and on and on so the, the prepositional phrases they had content so there's three dative phrases really prepositional phrases and each of them are describing this blessing idea the first one is the father and of course verse three begins and it says praise my english translation reads Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But I want to correct that because if you were to look in the original language, and I happen to bring, I happen to bring my handy-dandy Greek New Testament with me, if you would happen to read this, it actually isn't praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the blessed God. It's the blessed God. Blessed is an adjective describing who God is. It's not an action. So it's not like blessed be. It's the blessed God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. So when he says he's the blessed God who the Father, the blessed God of our you know, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ blesses us. So what he's saying is literally this blessed God, blessed, describes who God is. And it's really interesting when you get in, you look at some of the commentators on this, they want to come to a Greek understanding. Some of them want to go to a Greek understanding of blessing. Okay, what are we blessed with? What's the Greek word for blessing? And they're like, well, that doesn't help. Well, maybe it comes from the Hebrew and they do all, but if you just look in the passage, God is saying, I'm blessed. And that's enough. Because what he's really saying is God is saying, whatever describes me, I'm going to take that and put it on you. I just thought you'd be way more excited. Do you know how much trouble it came for me to come up with that? It's probably least worthy of you going, wow, praise the Lord. God, he's the blessed God, and he's taken who he is, the adjective that describes him. He says, I want that adjective to describe you. Which is, thank you. I appreciate that. Bless you too, dear. Isn't that neat? So God, the adjectives that describe God are now supposed to describe you. Which is incredible. You want to give you an example of this? I asked you to open your Bibles or reserve John. And, and I want you to keep, we're going to go back and forth just a couple minutes here. In John chapter 5, verse 19. And we've, I've used this illustration several times over the years. I, I probably could turn it over to Tab and he could just preach this part of the sermon because he's heard this so many times. But there's a, in verse 19 of John chapter 5, there's this word poieto that does the same thing. In verse 19 of John chapter 5, basically Jesus has just done a miraculous miracle on the Sabbath. And it's been phenomenal. Heals this guy at the pool. It's incredible. And the leaders of Israel are irate because the day he did this was on the Sabbath, which broke their traditions, and they're upset and they're wanting to kill him. And so Jesus says, don't kill me. Let me explain why I did what I did. And when he's describing why he did what he did, he didn't go back to the law. This is so neat. I don't ever want to justify myself through this. See, I can, I want to justify myself through, oh, the way he feels about you is the way I feel about you. The way he sees, I'm, I'm, he's living inside of me. And this is essentially what Jesus does. What characterizes him, character, the adjectives that describe him, describe me. They say, why would you heal a man on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The son, if you're reading it in verse 19, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does. That word for do there or does is the word poieo. So whatever the father poieos, I poieo. Whatever I poieo, the father poieos. And if you remember in times past when we've talked about this, the word poieo in our English translations, we translate do or does. But in Greek... It describes how trees do fruit. 
Now, you and I go, trees don't do fruit. Trees bear fruit. They produce fruit. It's not like a tree gets up in the spring and goes, oh, I've got to get that fruit done. I'll do it next week. I'm tired. (laughs) That's how we use the word do, you know. I'm going to do something different this year. Oh, I've done apples forever. I'm doing peaches this year. Yeah, it's the latest thing. That's, that's how we use the word do. Well, that's not their word for do. Their word has to do with produce. That's this word. In Greek culture, they use poieo to describe how trees do fruit. So if you take that, that kind of the way this, by the way, the word poieo is where we get the term uh, poet from. To a poet, it's not just rhymes, it's communication. It's artistic. So what Jesus is really saying is what's going on inside of my dad, which makes him do certain things, that's what's going on inside of me that makes me do it. Whatever my father poyos, I poyo. What's he saying? You want to know why I healed this guy on the Sabbath? Dude, it's not law. He doesn't say, well, praise the Lord, my dad does that on the Sabbath. (laughs) Why do you go to church on Sunday morning? Well, praise the Lord, that's what I'm supposed to. We we don't talk like that. Why'd you heal that guy? I couldn't help it. I'm so tight with my dad. I came into the temple and I saw him through the eyes of my father and how he feels about him, I feel about him, and how he sees him. That's this. God is taken. This is so beautiful. God takes his very nature and puts it inside of you and says, let that become the dominant theme in your life so I I don't I and again this is it's really it's really interesting because I still have the flesh in me still have the flesh in me okay I have reactions I have ways that I feel but I can tell the difference and I just don't listen to that I just don't listen to that I listen for the still small voice I'll be driving into town in Tennessee, this is terrible. There'll be some sweet little old lady driving in the fast lane in a 70 mile an hour speed limit doing 55. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to run her off the road and kill her. And I'll hear the still small voice, don't kill her, Jeremiah. I'm like, are you sure? I'm pretty positive. <laughs> and I, I just... Because I, I do, I feel that when I go down to the motel room and I get, rah. you know, it's really easy. I should use really realistic ones. It's really easy to look spiritual in the motel room. It's when you get up in the morning and your spouse goes, rah. and I don't normally feel so free. And you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure you all do. I'm sure you all do. I'm sure you stand and say, I give thee grace, beloved wife. Go, be fruitful. I love thee. <laughs> That's how, that's what Tim does. But see, me, (laughs) I listen, I listen. Dude, I'm so judgmental. I'm serious. If I had to be completely honest with you, I I confessed this about three weeks ago at our training center. And I've struggled with this over the years. God gives me insight at times, you know, in 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 the life of my wife or my kids and they get insight into me. But for me, God gives me that insight because I'm so good. And he just needs my help to fix them. I'm sure of it. And so I do. I go up to my wife and I'm like, hey, here's what you're doing wrong. 
You're so lucky to have me. Praise the Lord. And if you would do this, it'd solve your problem. Can you believe she just doesn't want to receive that? Pray for her that she'll become as spiritual as I am. And I really struggle with that. And it's, it's been dawning on me. It's only taken like 24 years. That's it. But what if God is revealing things to me, not to go and correct her, but to pray and war because I don't battle against flesh and blood and that I can intercede for my wife? And I told her that, and she's like, you're just now getting this. <laughs> Do you notice how I don't correct you all the time? Yeah, I just thought it, you weren't as insightful as I am. <laughs> we should talk later, babe. <laughs> That probably seems obvious to everyone in here because you're all so spiritual, obviously. But it's, it's, a, it's, a new, it's a new idea. It's a new idea for me. That I don't approach my wife legalistically. Because Jesus doesn't respond that way. Why did you heal this man on the Sabbath? Well, hey, he didn't give them a lesson in the law. He just didn't do that. In fact, he rarely does that. And there's been times when he heals the, the prostitute. I'll get through the story and I'll be like, Jesus, if you would have just said this, I wish you'd have had me there, I'd have helped you. Man, I'm telling you. You probably wouldn't have been crucified. Oh, hold on, that was what Judas thought. Judas wasn't a bad guy. Judas was approaching the life of Jesus through minute through. Jesus just didn't operate that way. Jesus just doesn't operate that way. He never comes and he says, you want to know why I healed this man on the Sabbath? My heart went out to him. Because I, I go back and look at that old situation and I mean, he didn't even tell the guy he was the Messiah. He didn't even offer him an opportunity to, he didn't even give him a, didn't even lead him through the, to the Lord. Lead him, I mean, you're under, you're under the impression, well, why'd he do that? He loved him. Isn't that, isn't that phenomenal? God wants to take, see, here's the thing. What if God is just in love with you? And does he want to correct you and all of that? Yeah, but it's, it's based in love. And he just sees different. Do you know who is the number one guy like this in the scriptures? We call him the accuser. Do you know what else he's called? Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. You ever have anybody, in, I probably shouldn't do this. You ever have anybody in the church, they're the accuser of the brethren? See, we're to be encouragers. By the way, Tim and I were talking about this before the service. That's what prophecy is. You know what prophecy is? Encouragement. It's called an encouraging word. We're not the accusers of the brethren. Okay, so Ephesians. Now, keep your hand there in John because we're going to come back there. But Remember, he's the blessed father, so that's an adjective. In fact, when I look here in my Greek New Testament, eulogetos, it is an adjective. Adjective, nominative, singular, masculine, which describes God who's noun, nominative, singular, masculine. Okay, so literally, the adjective describes God. God says, you know what I'm going to do in the grammar? I'm going to take the adjective that describes me, and I'm going to let it describe you. Which means you should go to work tomorrow and say, you'd love our church. They're a lot like me. 
<laughs> Seriously, that's, that's, without saying it, that's what you're saying. In fact, people probably say, which church do you go to? Oh, this one. Okay, just checking. He probably wants to come. Maybe. The adjective, the father. This is the, the role of the fathers in your, the role of the father in your life is he takes the adjective, the nature that de- literally defines him, he's love, and he wants to define you. Now, he goes on, he says, blessed be the blessed God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us in the heavenly realms, and I'm going to write a book on this without a doubt. I'm doing a study on the heavenly realms. We, we, I wish we'd had time to talk about this, Tim. But the heavenly realms, I'm finding, first off, the heavenly realms is one Greek word. It's the heavenlies in the New Testament. And there are many, there's, and what they do is Paul, especially, he puts adjectives. What he basically, he makes prepositions and he attaches them to the word uh, heavenlies, which is the word, uh, what is the word? Uh, urunos, urunos, aroma, aromatherapy, something like that. And he takes these he takes these prepositions and he attaches them to them. So, in, in, for, and, and other writers do too. For instance, in Revelation chapter 8, uh, this angel is flying in midair and John is seeing this in the spiritual. It's not physically, he's seeing it in the spiritual. And he says, an angel flies in midair. It's really weird. Like, what do you mean midair? And it's really middle heavenlies. And what I'm finding in the New Testament, there's three levels of the heavenly. In fact, Paul, Paul said, I went to the third and I saw things there, God on his throne, wow! There's three levels of heavens, and the earth is called the first heaven. You're like, how does that work? I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm going to get there. So we're just going to skip that part in the verse. So this blessed God who takes who he is and puts it on you, he's blessed us in these heavenlies. And again, just, it's so, do you know you and I are seated right now? I don't know how in the world we deal with this. Everyone right now, if you're a child of God, are seated in the throne room of God and we can hear what's going on there. <laughs> That's crazy. You're like, I don't hear anything. You don't? Where are you seated? Oh, I'm seated in the physical. I see everything from the physical. Well, you don't battle against flesh and blood. It's really, there's, it's like there's a, something else going on. You know, most churches try to solve problems in the physical. There's something, in here, I'm studying on this. Next time I come, see, I do that stuff to guarantee you'll have me back. Well, he wasn't going to have him, but he's going to teach on the heavenly realms. We've got to have him. <laughs> That's probably not true. I don't know where it, it just comes out. So the blessed God, okay, the blessed Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with with every one of the Spirit's blessings. So you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and every single attribute of the Spirit lives in you. Hold on, Jeremiah, so what about the gifts of healing? We all have it. There's offices, apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist. Okay, that you have these callings, but in terms of the gifts of the Spirit, well, there's one that's, you know, being nice. I don't have that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, we know that, but, okay, you should. Joy, it's the fruit of the Spirit, man. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and you have, why? Because you have Him. 
All the things. All the things. that Dude, Rob McCorkle does a phenomenal, does a phenomenal teaching on the Nemoticus. And again, if you go back and look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he says, now concerning the spiritual, we have him. And he says it here. Paul says, every one of the Spirit's blessings, every one of these attributes, literally every single one of them, God's put in your life. It's a role of the Holy Spirit. It's a role of the Holy Spirit. Now remember, what, what was the, the Father? He's the one that declares sonship. What do you mean he declares sonship? He says, listen, what describes me, I want to describe them. And he looks at Jesus and Jesus says, I'm going to reconcile man with you. And I'm going to come down and I'm going to be the reconciliation event where everybody can get in me and be an intimate. Lord, may they be one as you and I are one. John chapter 17. So I'm going to come and I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to sacrifice myself and I'm going to let everybody get into me and the relationship I have with you, I'm going to let them have with you. So the father says, hey, I want sons and daughters. I want what describes me to describe them. And Jesus says, man, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm literally going to become the event where they get into me. And the Holy Spirit says, you know what? I'm going to take myself and everything that makes me who I am and I'm going to live all my blessings. I'm going to stick it inside of them. All of the joy, all of the peace. Which is why Paul can write from a Philippi jail and go, wow! Why? Because he's living above the physical. Wouldn't it be neat? You, you, this is neat. You have all of this. <laughs> you have him. I read Obadiah chapter 7, or Obadiah 17 today. I was just, I was led there by the Lord. Who reads Obadiah? Not me. You know what Obadiah 17 says? He's talking about the end times when Israel, will get this, Israel will possess all of their possessions. <laughs> and it's a universal thing because I think we have the land of Israel in the end times, but he's talking about the, the, the branch, like we are literally been engrafted into that branch. The end times church is simply going to mature and we're going to possess all of our possessions. You're like, what do you mean? We're going to finally realize who we are and start living it. Dude, isn't that a neat verse? I never read that verse. I'm like, dude, I've been, where, where's that been? I want to possess all of my possessions. What do you mean? All the things that are already yours, you want to have them? Yeah, isn't that weird? Well, you already have this. Well, then why isn't, why isn't it going on in your life? That, yeah. Have you ever been in a service like this and you're like, dude, this feels so good. Like I could just stand up against the Antichrist in here. I'm like, Rah. and then I go home and I'm like, oh. I wonder what changes. Because there's nothing special about, I mean, yeah, the body, beautiful things happen. But you're more than conquerors in Christ. Verse 3 is the ministry of God in your life. He says, you are sons and daughters. And in Jesus, you have that opportunity to receive every attribute of the Holy Spirit. Every, every, everything God could ever, isn't that, isn't that a neat verse? I didn't get to, uh, next, I'm doing, I'm doing camp meetings this summer. And we're walking through Ephesians 1, 3, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 6. 
Ephesians 7 and 8, Ephesians 9 and, uh, through 11, and then 12 through 13. Those are all that, those, those studies. And he just, he's just basically describing what we are to possess that's already ours. All of it's in Jesus. He's got the solution between me and my kids and me and my wife and me and my next door neighbor and me and my church and you've got it all. Um, I want to end tonight in, in prayer. Boy, Tab has been great, hadn't he? Honestly, I really appreciate you, Tab. Tab, though, we talked about this before the service and Tab was reminding several of us outside that the role of a worship leader is simply a special anointing to literally draw our attention and go into the throne room and just worship him. That's what it is. So he's been really valuable this week. I really want you, I want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you. I've wanted to encourage you all week. And honestly, just remind you of who you are. You have the answer for every problem your neighbor has. We literally carry, I know that's weird language. I've been using that language. A lot of people that I've been reading have been using that language. They say, you know, oh, it's, you, what you carry is beautiful. I'm like, what do you mean what I carry? Well, it's what I carry. It's what I carry, man. I have him living inside of me, and I so desperately want the lady behind the counter. <laughs> I went down this morning, and I was talking to this lady. I was like, oh, man, I've been praying for you. And she was like, I was like, that's a good thing. She didn't buy it. But I just want to, I would just love to take the joy and the peace and more than anything in the midst of all of what's going on, the peace that rises above fear and panic. And I just want to take that and just lavish it on people. Seriously, just lavish it on them. He's got it figured out. We win, guys. We really do. We win. We carry the answer for our communities. So, I, hey, you may want to come and pray tonight. I love to just, I love to just sit back and just, that's how I worship. They make fun of me at the training center. Everybody, all these young couples, we have a ton of young people, college students, and they just, they just wear me out. I get tired watching them. They're dancing around and jumping, and I like to just, I just lay back in my chair just drowned out all these young energetic kids focus in on him and just tell him how much I love him so we just want to end tonight maybe with a song or two of worship and uh, you know maybe if you maybe you want to come and pray maybe you want you and your your wife or you and your husband want to come and pray or maybe God's putting on your heart your next door neighbor or a person at work love is not an emotion it's it's the spirit it's a person so when you're lavishing love you have to understand you're not just laving an emotion you're lavishing him on people you literally are spreading everywhere you just smell like jesus the adjectives that describe him now describe you the the way that jesus influenced his world the way tax collectors just felt drawn to him and prostitutes felt liberated by him. That's us. Seriously, people shouldn't feel judged by us. Of course they're not necessarily living right, but they should feel loved. 
Because we carry the, it's pain they're experiencing. It's pain. We don't listen long enough to hear, why are you at where you're at? We just say, you shouldn't be. And yeah, of course you shouldn't be. But that's what I do. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I've done. Boy, I hope that makes sense. Jesus, we love you tonight. And uh, uh, I love Bluffton. I love the Millers. I, uh, I love the staff here. I love the children's ministry. I went back during worship tonight, Lord, and just watched them. They're not just babysitting those kids. They're washing them in your presence. They're people that genuinely love children. I pray that that would, I pray that that kind of attitude would spread throughout Bluffton First Church, that we would all find ways to love and serve within the community. There are no freeloaders in the body of Christ in the name of Jesus. We all want to participate. We all want to serve. We all want to contribute. And that's more than financially. We want to serve Jesus. So I pray you would speak to us tonight. I thank you for what's going on here at Bluffton. I thank you. They just seem healthy. I listened to one of the staff get up and talk about how much she just loves being loved. She loves belonging to a church that loves her. Father, that's just... She's speaking truth about what the scriptures say. That the body of Christ will be known by their love. 1 John. They will know you by your love. I pray you would just protect that here. I pray you'd make them one. That when someone comes against one of them, there's just, they're just shielded. That we go to bat for one another. We stand up for one another. We protect and honor one another. I pray that over Bluffton first. And I pray for those of us tonight, Jesus, that it's been a little bit distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. Continually remind us of who we are. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight. If you'd like to come and pray, if you'd like to pray in your seat, let's just kind of hang out for a couple minutes, a few minutes, and uh, I'll come and I'll close us here here in a couple minutes. It's been a joy to share the word with you this week. Love you. I love you dearly. I've got so, I got so much hope, uh, hope for you and how God's going to use you in the coming days. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. This is my 
This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone, every breath that I take. Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, have your way in me. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and alone to worship thee. And I long to worship thee. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God. Worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God. Worthy is your name, worthy is your name. I love it. Hey, it's been a it's been a, I love being here. I really do. Um, I want to give you a prayer request for me. Um, I'm not soliciting, but pray for me. Um, 
I'm a good, I'm a good steward of uh, money that the Lord gives us. And uh, I'm wanting to build a building on the square. I'm wanting to do, honestly, what I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to do is what you've done under Tim's leadership in, in your community. This is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, and I feel like the Lord's leading me to do that. And uh, we've had people come who didn't know us and tell me that they had a dream they saw me. A lady came to our training center, and she was like, I had a dream that you were preaching in a capital theater to a, a big church. And I was like, in Lebanon? Like, yeah, we had like four or five people independently over the last two years say that. We had a, so we started renting out the capital theater. And so we rented out, in fact, we're doing it this, this Friday night. We're renting it out. It costs us $400 for two hours. We invite everybody in town for free to come and we just worship him for two hours. And people in town from, from Nashville have been hearing about it, so different musicians come and say, we want to be a part of it. It's super neat. Well, we had a, so I actually contacted the guy who owned the Capitol Theater, and he gave me the, I'm never going to sell it price. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, we're not going to buy that. And then a realtor called uh, two weeks ago and talked to Brooke, Chad's wife, my partner. Uh, those, those are the two I, my wife and I partner with. And she goes, um, we know you guys have been meeting down at the Capitol Theater once a month. You're always praying on the square every Tuesday. And we got a building that came available. You might be interested in it. And uh, Brooke's like, well, we've really been interested in the Capitol Theater. And she goes, oh, well, you'll love this. She goes, because this was the original Capitol Theater before they moved it around the corner. And we went down and looked at it. And... Uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And we just, we've been meeting there every Tuesday and just praying. And uh, 750,000. And uh, just pray for me. I don't need your money, but pray for me. Because if the Lord gave that to me, I'd give every dime of it away. I'd give every dime of it away. But I want, we want a place, Tim and I have been talking about this. And uh, I want a place that's 24-7 worship where you can come and there's constant ministry to him. Holiness with our, what we believe at our core. That's what I want. I want to do that. We want to have that. For, we, want to call, we want to do it. And, and it's crazy because a church, the lady called us because a church can't own it, but a training center can. And I was like, yeah. So we're praying about that. So just, if you would, please just pray. Pray for us, okay? Don't, don't need your money. Just pray for us. Just pray a million dollars would just float down from the sky. And I'd grab it. I appreciate it. Let's gather around them and let's pray for them. Can we do that? Maybe some of you can go up and get around. Uh, tap up there as he's, as he's playing. And we're just going to close that way tonight.
Jeremiah for the dream that God's put in him and also been closed by praying for Tab that God would just anoint him and continue to bless his ministry. Our gracious Father, you know the dreams you have for Jeremiah. Lord, we're so thankful that you've been a part of his, of his everyday life for many years. Lord, we pray that you touch Jeremiah, continue to bless him, and continue to use him until you take him home, Lord. Lord, we pray for this, this special center, Lord. Uh, this training center and and being able to worship and uh, praise you 24 7 lord we just pray you continue to work mighty miracles in jeremiah's life and the life of those around him lord we pray that you touch his his wife and his children lord and continue to keep them close uh, to each other and to, to you keep your hand of blessing and safety upon them when jeremiah's out to uh, Spread the good news. Lord, we pray that that if it be your will, that this, the money will come, and, yes. and Lord, that things will happen, that people around will know that it's, it's only from you. Lord, we're so thankful that, that we're part of a, a group, part of a church, Lord, a worldwide church, Lord, that loves you. And we stand upon your, uh, your promises and... and Lord, we just ask you to bless. Lord, we pray for Tab, Lord. We know that we've known him for quite a few years and enjoyed his, his music and his spirit. And we just pray that you continue to, to use him, like I said, until, until you take him home. Lord, we know that, that he is, his singing and music has blessed many and draw many close to you. Lord, we just pray for this church. Lord, we just ask you. Lord, that you continue to guide and lead our pastor and each of the ones of us that are here. Lord, that you'll use us to reach out and love others. Lord, you know, love's what brought me uh, into the kingdom, Lord. Uh, I was, you know, that I was like Jeremiah, just a little ornery. And Lord, just, uh, and people loved on me. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that you continue to help us as a church to love on people. To love the ones that some people think are unlovable. To love those ones that are struggling with alcohol and drugs. And, Lord, other things, Lord, that some people would, uh, would turn their back on. And, Lord, we just pray you guide and direct them. Lord, direct this church yeah. to continue to pray yes. and to continue to reach out to others yes. Yes. Uh, around the world and in the, the DR and many other places. Yes. We're just so thankful. Have your way, Lord. Continue this revival in each one of our hearts this week and on and on because yeah. we're going to be searching for you, yes. looking for you, and listening to you. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for coming and uh, being a part, and may the Lord source you in everything that you do.